gentlemen, thank you once again for joining me for another episode of To The Mat, a pro wrestling podcast. I'm joined today by a friend of mine, a very talented guy in the wrestling business. It's the Gypsy King, Roma Miller. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing good, Cody. How are you? I can't complain, man. Uh, after seven and seven and a half hour drive to Pittsburgh, uh, a little exhausted, Ooh. but I mean, you know, that's that's part of the price to pay, right? I understand that. Do the drive. Yeah. All right, man. Well, let's get right into it. Um, what made you decide to become a pro wrestler? Oh, man. Probably like all of us when we were younger. Mm-hmm. We were obsessed with that over-the-top superhero personality. Uh, Platinum Blonde Sting was the one that did it for me. Right. Platinum Blonde, uh, Platinum Blonde Sting, if I can even talk. Uh, what <laughs> What a lot of people hear aren't understanding right now as well is that this is our third time attempting to record this last week we had technical issues earlier today i tried to call you to get this done and i was you know trying to make the drive and and get up here on time and lost complete service on that and completely killed that part so hopefully we can get this done as well and hopefully Everybody can listen to it. So for me and Roma, it's a lot of repetitive stuff for the first like 15 <laughs> minutes. Oh, man. All right. Uh, as far as uh, your training, tell tell me a little bit more about that. Well, when I got into wrestling, I was a little bit older, maybe 25, 26. And like I said, since I was a little boy watching Platinum Blonde Sting in the early 90s, I wanted to be a wrestler. And that always wanted to be one, never really took it serious or tried to find a school. But as I was getting older, I thought to myself, you know what, I'm not getting any younger. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it now. So I got on Google, looked up wrestling schools near me, uh, Team 3D, the Dudley Boys School in, um, I want to say Orlando. It popped up, uh, but that was a long way away. Alabama to Orlando was quite a drive. Yep. Then, then I saw WWA4 with AR Fox. In Atlanta, which is only about 90 minutes from me. But that you had to move out there and attend class three, four days a week. And that was hard right. to do. I had kids at home, a job at home. I, I had life. So I couldn't right. just pack up and go to Atlanta. Then I saw where um, Dr. Tom Pritchard, him and Glenn Jacobs, Kane, mm-hmm. had JPWA in Knoxville, Tennessee. Yep. But that was the same thing. It was a 12-week course, five days of training, or five yeah. days a week of training. And I was like, I just can't pack up my life and go train to wrestle as much as I want to. Right. There was a seminar in town in Piedmont, Alabama, a town not far from me. And there was an independent guy, Trip Cassidy. He was doing a seminar. And uh, I had no training at all. So I went to it to see what it was all about. Maybe I could take a bump, hit the ropes, do something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody will point me in the right direction of a school. So I paid my 25 bucks, went to the seminar. Met some cool, some cool young wrestlers, and they. I asked them where they trained at. They told me they trained at a place called SLW in Mumford, Alabama. Johnny Slaughter was the uh, head trainer down there. Uh, they pointed me to SLW, and I've been training there ever since. That's awesome, man. And yeah, I don't think a lot of people understand just how hard it is just to get your foot in the door first. You know, as far as training and everything like that, it it can be quite difficult. 
not only for finding a good school, but if you find a good school, sometimes they're pretty costly. Very yeah. Costly. Like uh, you mentioned JPWA, that 12 week course, I know it's uh, 3000 bucks and $800 down. And now you get what you pay for. Right. I mean, Dr. Tom Pritchard has trained many, many people who went on to become superstars and, and legends himself in this, in this business. And, you know, Kane, he, everybody knows Kane right now. So, I mean, right. you get what you pay for on that for sure. But I mean, still, it's, it's very hard to find you a legitimate school that's going to, uh, take your money, but also give you the right knowledge. Now, as far as the complete and right way, there's no answer on that. You know, some people do stuff completely different, but Mm -hmm. the main thing of everything was always protect the guy you're working with, you know, make sure you know how to do everything, you know, because there may be one guy who, who gets up to, you know, uh, with a bald fist, you know, as far as like pushing himself off the mat and other guys may push themselves up with a flat palm. I mean, it's, it's, exactly. there's no real right way. And nobody knows everything about this business because it's constantly evolving and everybody's constantly learning. So it's, I don't think everybody understands just how difficult it is to not only get into a good school, but to also grasp everything. You hit the nail on the head with that one. I did one weekend with Dr. Yeah. Tom. And he, he said the same thing you said. He said he's been around wrestling forever. He's worked at the Performance Center for mm-hmm. WWE. And he told us the things he's teaching us this weekend, they're not the right way, they're not the wrong way, but they are the way the guys with the money right. need to do it. I mean, it's, you know, and especially like with a guy like Dr. Tom who has that experience, you know, you would much rather learn that and take it and use it that way then learn from joe blow who says he's been doing it for 20 years um and you know he can't he can't really cite any sort of credible creditations you know i think i, know <laughs> I, th- I think i know about six of those guys <laughs> i mean <laughs> it there's so many people like that in this business. It is it is what it is, you know, in the end. But at the same time, you know, when it comes to learning, you want to learn from guys who are established, you know, the Dr. Toms, you know, and up in Cindiana, Kentucky, Larry D, who's currently killing in Impact. And and Larry's going to have to sponsor me. I've mentioned his, his school so many times. <laughs> He's doing a show not far from me right now yeah. in New South. Yeah, well, dude, he's all over the place. Larry's an awesome talent. I see. Um, he's actually going to be at this show that I'm doing tomorrow. Um, not for tomorrow. He's going to be there next month for this promotion. So I figure I'll give them a good plug real quick. Um, December 12th is when Larry D will be in Benwood, West Virginia for Code Red Wrestling. Uh, but, yeah, man, I plug Larry's school so many times. He's going to have to – go into partnership with me. I'll put, I'll throw in a paid sponsored ad. <laughs> I hope you listen, Larry. <laughs> no, nah, I wouldn't do that to Larry. I'm going to give him the free promotion because I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you got, if you got guys listening, you need to get them into a good school. And Larry D is currently killing an impact. The school is very affordable. I mean, there's, if you're in the Cynthiana area, 
or or around Lexington, Kentucky, or something like that. There's really no better school to go to than Larry D. Around here, you know. Now, if you can make the drive to Knoxville, go to Doctor Tom, and if you can afford it, like I said, you get what you pay for. All right, let's go ahead and uh, mention some more. Uh, give me a, a short list of some of your favorites to watch growing up. Oh, man. Favorites to watch growing up. When I was young, mm-hmm. young, Sting. Like I said, Sting was right. my guy. Sting. Then I became a Lex mm-hmm. Luger fan. I became a fan of muscles. I wanted to be Flexy Lex. I'd be in the mirror flexing and posing. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be like Lex Luger. Um, then, as I got a little older, I understood heels. I said, the good guys have to have mm-hmm. the bad guy. So, Ric Flair became right. that guy. I really like Ric Flair a lot. He was like that guy that was just too cool yeah. to be around. Like, man, you can see him from afar, but you don't want to get up on him. And another heel I became a fan of was Razor Ramon. Right. And after that, uh, I guess my last guy to watch growing up, my last couple guys, I became a fan of, after my baby face phase, <laughs> after my heel phase, I became a fan of, like, the monster. Right. Uh, Yoko Zuna was my guy. Yeah, Yoko. Time. Uh, being a big guy, I had to learn some from Yoko. You know, I mean, Yokozuna, he, he was not only big, but he was agile, you know. Dude, to be 500-plus pounds, Yeah, he really move. could. And, and I mean, you also got to take care of yourself as well, though, in this business. And, and as the years kind of progressed, he just – and he was gaining more and more, you know, it, it started to affect his, his performance and everything. And, and sadly, we lost him a few years after that, so – he seems like he's one of those guys, I don't want to say his gimmick killed him, but you know his gimmick was being the big the big Yoko right. Luna. And the bigger he got, the more his gimmick was over. Right. And it got to be too much. It kind of seems right. like. I don't really want to say his, his gimmick killed him because, uh, you know, you, you hear all the time that WWE, or WWF as it was then known, uh, was – was giving him the opportunity, you know, to lose a few pounds and then keep his, keep his position and everything like that. And, and he yeah. didn't really feel that he should, and, and he couldn't get a, a license to wrestle in New York because of his health and everything like that. And I mean, you know, I really don't want to say it was the gimmick that killed him. I just want to say it was a, a kind of an, it was like an addiction, you know, because I mean, like, Definitely. An addiction to the lifestyle that he was living. He really didn't know any other way. Um, now, I'm not saying this is for set in stone fact, you know, um, because I, of course, wasn't there. But just analyzing all the details that are out there, that's kind of what it comes out to me, you know, and, and much respect to Yokozuna. Much respect to that yeah. whole family. Yeah, Those the whole and why Wrestlers. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I definitely get you on the on the baby face versus heels, you know, because I, I started out the same way. You know, I really liked the baby faces, and, and some of my favorites were, like, you know, uh, Brett the Hitman Hart, and, of course, this was back, you know, when he was a baby face. He wasn't crying about being screwed. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but Brett Hart was one of my favorites, um, like, Ultimate Warrior, and then... The Undertaker came along, and that that darkness kind of got to me, and I loved it, you know. 
and I started looking more into the bad oh, guys, yeah. you know, and that's that's what Undertaker was originally supposed to be. It was just a straight heel, and he just got over and over and over, you know. Um, Jake Roberts was another great influential guy to me because I loved the fact that he could look into the camera like he was looking at you. You know, and I mean, mm-hmm. he made you feel everything he was saying. Anything he did in the ring was, there was a purpose to it. Even if you were, even if you were five years old and you didn't understand it, you know, you could understand when you measure somebody up and you wait to punch them until they're right at you and you clock them, you know. I mean, at five years old, you could see that and be like, oh man, you know. But, um, yeah, definitely. But yeah, I mean, like. Uh, another great, and we we lost him fifteen years ago to the day, man. It was Eddie Guerrero. Oh man, rest in peace. Eddie, Eddie was one of the greatest ever. Not only to be a face, not only to be a heel, but to be a genuine performer. You could you could tell he loved what he did every time. He was like like you said about Undertaker. His heel mm-hmm. heat was so good it got over his. He got right. him cheered. And no matter what sort of storyline they put him in, he always made it entertaining. You know, the, the storyline with China, you know, where he ran around calling her Mama Sita. And, <laughs> and like, the, uh, the, Ray and the, the Ray Mysterio uh, feud over Dominic, you know, that was a good feud. Yeah. Uh, you could definitely feel that one. Uh, tagging with Chavo, I mean, that was, I mean, that was great, you know. Everything that, that Eddie put in, he put his whole heart into it. And that's why when when he passed, there was so much outpouring, you know. Even though I believe he was supposed to be kind of a tweener when he passed, you know. Because his, his very mm-hmm. last match was with um, Ken Anderson, who then went by Mr. Kennedy. And I'm sure you'll, you'll remember, he had the chair in his hand. Anderson's getting up. And the ref's getting up on the other side, so he Eddie smacks the canvas with the chair and tosses it to yep. tosses it to Anderson, and and that was yes. his uh, lie cheat still uh, whole whole gimmick all the whole time. And Eddie was just one of the greatest man. So uh, much love and respect to Eddie. I think my favorite Eddie Guerrero finish was uh, when he was wrestling Kurt Angle. And Kurt went to lock I know back, exactly on him. where you're going with this. Yeah, and Eddie's yeah was loose. pulled it right off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was another great classic. One. That was that was fun fact. That was man. another great fun fact. I went to WCW mm-hmm. when they came to Birmingham. I had to be about seven or eight. Anyway, I was walking in and I didn't realize wrestlers had regular clothes mm-hmm. at this point. I thought they just wore their gear all the time. <laughs> So I was walking into the arena. I mean, I'm thinking they're just just wrestlers all the mm-hmm. time. So I'm walking in, and my parents are with me. And my mom stops. We see a guy rolling his bag in. She goes, that's, that, that's Eddie. So when Eddie Guerrero was in WCW that came to mm-hmm. Birmingham that one time, I got a picture of Eddie Guerrero at a WCW. That's hospital. awesome, man. That's a, yeah. that's a memory you'll never forget as well. On a Polaroid, on a Polaroid. man, that just tells you how long ago it was. <laughs> uh, that was a while back. I don't think I've I've seen a Polaroid picture in my family in 
Anyway, we're not going to go into this. <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a, it's been a good minute. Uh, who are some of your favorite opponents since stepping into the ring? Oh, man, some of my favorite opponents. Uh, me and this guy, Ace Haven, mm-hmm. we've had my favorite feud to this day. I really enjoyed working with Ace Haven. Um, Parker Stevens, he's been a fun opponent. Johnny Chaos is one guy that's really tested me. And um, I'm wrestling this guy tomorrow. It's my first time wrestling him one-on-one. We've been on a tag team together. We've been in multi-man matches. But Elijah Proctor is one guy I really enjoy being in the ring with. Don't like him very much, but I respect him as a worker. Right. I mean, even if even if you don't like your guys, you know, you got to respect like uh, respect what they can do. Even even if you guys have that heated rivalry, you know, I mean, like. Uh, like myself and Tyler Stevens right now, you know, we're, we're uh, fighting in a street fight on November 27th, you know, and there's a lot of, a lot of backstory to this. Tyler and I used to be good friends. All of a sudden Mm -hmm. I start hearing things I don't necessarily like. Tyler, hears the opposite. One thing led to another, uh, Internet, uh, internet jabs became a literal blood mm. feud, to where, to where when I, I was last in the ring with him, I threw him into a, a, a row of chairs, and and he busted oh. his eye open. I mean, this is a literal but a blood feud at this point. So, Ouch. we're gonna we're gonna settle it in a street fight. On November twenty seventh. Now, hey, make sure it's it's live on you, <laughs> right? It's gonna it's gonna be pretty violent. I mean, we neither one of us really like each other. Now, despite the fact tomorrow, you know, we'll we'll be teaming up as far as trying to raise money for St. Jude Children's Hospital. We're gonna put a we're gonna I put our differences that. aside for that. Now, as soon as that bell rings for the match being over. <laughs> it's back to square one. I, I don't like him. He doesn't like me. But I respect what he can do. So I have him up here helping me with Team South. I can respect that, man. <laughs> I definitely can get behind right. him. Right. Like and that. see, that's that's another thing like with you and Eliza Proctor. You guys may not like each other, but you definitely respect what he can do. As I'm sure he respects what oh, yeah. you can do. Because if you take your opponent too lightly, and you do not respect them, and you do not respect the time that they put in, they're going to walk all over you, and you can never take your opponent too lightly. Hey, man, a prime example of that happened Wednesday night with Leon Ruff and Johnny yep, Gargano. Yep, exactly. I mean, that that right there is just, if there's ever, you know, uh, proof of an example, right there it is. So I mean, just never take your opponent too lightly, and and good luck in that match. I hope it works out for you. Thank you, man. I appreciate no problem that. at all. Good luck <laughs> in yours. Uh, I'm I'm definitely gonna need it. Like I said, Tyler's tough, but I mean, I don't like him. He don't like me. We're we're out for blood. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get it how you live. All right, man. Let's get back to you. Um, as far as uh, your certain style, uh, like, but 
as far as being a technical wrestler, uh, submission specialist, you know, like that. Who inspired you as far as putting your style together? Oh, man. One guy that I watched a lot and tried to mirror a whole lot, like especially being a smaller stature guy, Shawn Michaels growing up was one guy. He wasn't much of a like high fly like the Lucha mm-hmm. Libre guys, but he could climb the rope. He could drop the elbow. He could do all that. And that, that sweet chin music, that mm-hmm. super kick. That, man, I've modeled a lot of my stuff after Shawn Right. Michaels. I mean, that super kick, that's what made him famous, technically uh, speaking, because you got to look back as far as the earliest memories of Shawn Michaels. Now, everybody remembers him in the Rockers, but does anybody remember anything he mm-hmm. did while part of the Rockers? Not many. The most famous All thing... All I recall is him throwing... The Yeah, the... It was him throwing Marty Jannetty through the... Yep. The most famous part of the Rockers was when Shawn Michaels super kicked Marty Jannetty on the barbershop and threw him through the barbershop window. Then HBK was born. Yep, so as far as... Shawn Michaels, that super kick is what made him famous. It's done wonders for a lot of people. Um, it put the Young Bucks over. Yeah. Yeah. Now, granted, the Young Bucks use a, a lot more than I would prefer. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh, they're, throwing, definitely. they're definitely. throwing at least five super kicks in a match. Now, I'm not saying the. To yeah, one guy. <laughs> now, I'm not saying the Young Bucks aren't talented, you know, but at the same time, it's just. One, two, three, four, five. You know, I mean, one should do it. Now, sometimes there's one there's, should do Sometimes it. there's part part of the story you're trying to tell where you throw one super kick and maybe you're crawling too slow and you get there one, two, and then kick out. You know, just mm-hmm. right at the last second of a kick out. So, but most of the time. I mean, you shouldn't need five super kicks. Nah, I mean, you're kicking somebody in the head. That should put it Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, they look at that and they're like, you know, they know, first of all, what it feels like to, and and the term I use in this is, uh, you know when people aren't paying attention and they run into something, you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes Mm -hmm. they hit their head. Yep. They know what that feels like, you know? It don't feel good. They really don't. Uh you wouldn't <laughs> you wouldn't run into a trailer hitch on a truck, you know, with your shin and just get right back up, would you? Nah, there's no. No, with that kind of force of a super kick coming at your face, you need to be down for quite a bit. Yeah, that that's enough to knock anybody. Right. Unconscious. Right. And I mean, you know, like I said, the young bucks are very talented and, and it's another thing, like uh with Orange Cassidy. I think he he's a very talented guy when he actually wants to do something uh, or when his gimmick allows him to, uh, because I got to admit, he can he can go, you know, whenever he starts going. But right at the first of the match where he's got his hands in his pockets and he's throwing those little small kicks, you know, it mm-hmm. it really drives me up a wall. <laughs> when I first saw it, I was confused. Yeah. Hey, what is he doing? Why aren't they hitting him? Right. I mean, when I first saw it, it was on his debut, and uh, and he was just standing in the middle of the ring, you know? And I was like, okay, what's going on here? And and there weren't <laughs> none of those kicks, you know? There was no kicks during the first appearance of him on AEW. Uh, I remember. The, 
the main thing he did was, uh, if I can remember right, it was a uh, suicide dive to the outside, and he kept his hands in his pockets. His glasses never fell off. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, if this is a gimmick, this is pretty cool. Then he started with those little mm-hmm. kicks that, that barely make contact, and the dude's just standing there. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, yeah, I can't get behind this. This is really, really making me kind of fume, you know? Because <laughs> there's... Right. The first match I saw. Oh, oh no, you good. Yeah, the first match I saw with Orange Cassidy was him and Hornswoggle on right? the Indies. And it was a straight just character right. match, but it was entertaining to say the right. least. Right. But I mean, there's also guys like like yourself and uh Alex Zane, you know, Alex Zane just from what we heard got signed by WWE. Um, I saw that, and and you guys put in your put in your work. You know the the Roman Millers, the the Alex Zanes, AJ Daniels, those guys put the work in as far as being those fast guys, those technical guys. You know, and and to me, when I see Orange Cassidy doing what he does in the in the opening five minutes or so of his matches. Is is taking yeah. a huge dump on the hard work you guys put on, and I'm not saying that when he actually gets going, he's not good because he is. He's a very talented guy, but very but talented. it's those first five minutes to just kind of take a dump on all the hard work. I, I see where you're where you're coming from. Like I can't I can't put a man down for finding a gimmick right over because I feel like if either of us found something that simple that got us as far as right. it's gotten him, we'd hop on it. But at the same time, like you said, you work hard, I work hard. There's thousands of guys in the industry right. making the towns every weekend, hitting up seminars, doing everything to get to the next right. level. And you see a guy on TV, not quite mocking the sport, but I mean, I'm trying to the correct way to phrase it. He he he's he's doing his thing and it's working. The way for that him. I would the way that I would phrase it is exposing it. You know, like uh, as far as like yeah. He go. Uh, you get all these good matches that go on before him, and then he's he's the main. Let's say this, and um, he goes out, and his big thing to start in the first five minutes is he holds up a bottle of orange juice. <laughs> right now, the the fat guy sitting on his mom's couch eating Cheetos just holds up a bottle of orange juice. Now, I mean, why is this yeah. guy not signed, you yeah. know, at that point? But then you get past those five minutes, and, and Orange Cassidy's really starting to work, and he's starting to show his talent. And it's just a split kind of thing, you know. I want to like him, but I also kind of hate the fact that he's doing the first five minutes, you know. Yeah, but you got to give him his props at the yeah. same time. Like we said earlier, we put our, we put our work in on the indie scene. Right. He did yeah. the same thing. He he did work hard. Right. He, he showed that he can wrestle. Mm-hmm. He can work. He can he can do what he has to do, all while keeping his hands right. in his pockets. So I guess that means something. Yeah, I mean, but I I feel you too, man. Just standing up with the orange juice in the air, doing those short kicks and walking around all. Slowly. Yeah, I mean, it's just to me, it's like you know, I don't really know where to stand on it. It it really. The first five minutes gets under my skin, but after that, he can be quite entertaining. I just, I don't know where to stand on it and stuff like that. He's one of those guys. You've seen him once. You've yeah. seen him. And uh, 
as far as the next question, this kind of leads into it, and I think we kind of answered everything. Um, wh- <laughs> what is one thing that you would change in wrestling if you had the ability to? The one thing I'd change in wrestling is I would make sure that we had no idea what was going on behind behind the stage, behind the scenes, in the locker room, no dirt sheets. Mm-hmm. We'd just be fans of the product. Ding, again. ding, ding. The number one answer on this podcast Guys is kayfabe. So back back in the day, kayfabe was was huge, and it covered up everything. And there, when something happened, you were surprised by it. Now you got the dirt sheets exposing everything, and and it's not so much fun anymore. You know, I mean, it's not. It's not like let's uh let's go back a little bit in time. Uh, to one of my favorites that I mentioned, Jake Roberts, uh, sicking that Cobra on Macho Man. Man. Nobody had a clue. I showed my daughters that video last Yeah, night. nobody had a clue that it was going to happen. And that's why you saw genuine fear in these these little kids that were in the front row. They were terrified of Jake Roberts because nobody had a clue. Nobody knew the snake was de-venomized. Uh, the only people who really knew what was going on was him and, and Randy. And if you, if you listen to a lot of podcasts, um, Jake Roberts was on the Joe Rogan experience and he tells the story of this, of this, uh, little skit, you know, I guess you would say, or this, uh, yeah, this, uh, lead in, I guess you would say to their rivalry. And it's, it's a hysterical story, but Jake Roberts does the best Macho Man impression I have ever heard. <laughs> if you can find it on YouTube, just type in Jake Roberts Macho Man. It should pop right up. Uh, definitely. Um, okay. But I mean, it's. But nobody knew what was going on, and they actually go into that as well. That like you were, you were a kid back then, and you, you had the TV with a little tuning knob. And you would, yeah, you would flip from Saturday morning cartoons to Jake Roberts uh, sticking a cobra on some guy's arm. I mean, <laughs> if that didn't mess you up as a as a kid, you know, I mean, like I said, if you go back and watch, there are kids literally in tears from how how frightened they are, and rightfully yeah. so. And uh, another good one is let's. Uh, Let's go on back further than that. Freddie Blassie. Uh, he was stabbed twice because he was real. Yeah. You know, because of kayfabe. I remember that. Kayfabe had a lot to do with everything kind of just seeming like you were witnessing something that was genuine. You really understood that this guy was a terrible human being. You know, you you would look at Ric Flair and be like, okay, he's he's a smug guy, you know. But a lot of people would look at him and be like, man, if I had his money, you know, I mean, because it yeah, was, if I could yeah, trade places, very with him. believable. I mean, and that's what you that's what you're paying for when you buy a ticket. I mean, you're buying yeah, you want to you, you want to give people the option to escape their their lives, you know, and it's not only an escape for them, it's an escape for us on the indie scene as well. Like, dude, like tell me about a it. lot of us work 
normal 40 hour week, nine to five kind of jobs. So when we're doing our job throughout the week, we're tired and beat up at the end of the week. And then we go all weekend and get even more tired and beat up. And then we go back to work the, the next Monday. I mean, it's, it's an escape for not only the fans, but everybody. You're right, man. Dude, if I didn't have wrestling to um just decompress mm-hmm. with, I'd probably lose it, man. This is my my stress relief, my mm-hmm. escape. This is Yeah, I mean I can't imagine it helps me get away. I get to Yeah, I mean I can't imagine going to I work. I can become a whole different person. I can't imagine going to work and just going to work, okay, now I'm done. Oh, what do I have to look forward to uh, look forward to while I'm off until I go back to work. You know? Right. I was scrolling the internet one day and I saw a post and it really stuck with me. It was years <laughs> ago. He said, don't go and work eight hours for somebody's dream and not come home and at least work one hour a day on yours. Right. Yeah, I've seen that. I think I've seen that, that before so well. That, that stuck. Uh, all right, man. Well, uh, as far as anything else, do you have anything you want to plug or anything uh, to to go ahead and end this episode? After three attempts, we finally seem to have gotten it. We finally got it. We got it. Oh, man. Um, before I get out of here, I want to thank you, Cody, for no having problem, me on. No problem, man. Uh, I'd like to plug my home, Pro South Wrestling in Piedmont, Alabama. Catch us on YouTube every Friday night, Pro South Wrestling. Uh, I'd like to plug Titan Wrestling in Lincoln to North Carolina. I'd like to plug KLT Promotions out in Rome, Georgia. Those are three of the best places going right now. Right, and and all three places making a big noise on the indie scene. So if if you if you go on, look up all these promotions, you're definitely going to see not only Roma Miller but some other great talent as well. All right, Roma, thank yes, you so much. We finally got it. Thanks, and, buddy. And it, it's it was a struggle, <laughs> but but we got it, and it was a good conversation. Glad to have you on, man.